Welcome back to Second Look. This is the final installment of our three-part series on corporate worship. In this episode, we will hear a panel of our church leaders discuss a number of elements related to Sunday worship, from why we have both morning and evening services, to the principles that shape how we design a worship service, to the reason for incorporating a diversity of worship style. We're talking about worship today, my favorite subject, and I'm joined by my colleagues who help plan worship and lead worship on a weekly basis. And uh, I want you to just tell us who you are and how long you've been at Second Press, what your responsibilities are. I'm Calvin Ellis, and I'm the Associate Director of Music, and been here approaching a year uh, this April. Uh, my primary role here is the Choir Director um, and the Youth Choir Director, and I also um, assist in getting uh, the worship teams together for Sunday night worship as well. I'm Samuel Metzger. I'm the director of music. Uh, my primary musical role is as organist, uh, and I work with the liturgy team to plan all the music. Uh, Calvin and I partner, of course, on Sunday evenings uh, with uh, the worship team and the band. And so I've uh, been here now. Actually, I'm right at my five-year anniversary, and uh, very, very pleased to be here, part of this team. Great. My name is Denny Catalano. I work with Campus Outreach. I've been the director here for a few years. My wife and I have been here for almost 10 years. So, And Denny, you're part of this panel because you were one of my star students recently <laughs> in worship class. That's right. I took the worship class. class. Yes, it was yeah. a phenomenal class. Yes. Bart. My name is Barton Kimbrough. Uh, I'm an assistant pastor here at Second. I've been here since 2009. And currently, I'm an assistant pastor to the young adults and chief liturgists amongst our pastoral staff. Right. So every day is to be worship, right? Um, but, but what we do on Sunday, what we do on the Lord's Day, this, the, the Sabbath now after the resurrection on the first day of the week as opposed to the last day of the week as it was in the old era, what we do on, on Sunday the Lord's day, not the Lord's half day, not the Lord's evening, not the Lord's morning, not the Lord's hour, but the Lord's day is a, a concentrate, seems to me a concentrated drama of what's supposed to be for the whole of life. Um, so we, we meet morning and evening, and I, I won't take away from what you say we do in a worship service, Barton, you're going to outline that, but we there's a reason for why, why we construct a worship service the way we do. But we bookend the Lord's Day with, with coming together in one place, embodying the body of Christ, singing praises to Him, fellowshipping with each other, loving each other, uh, remembering what Christ has done for us. We have the, the afternoon to enjoy Him, uh, in, in ways that are, are refreshing to us. And then we close the Lord's Day with worship, which has a different feel to it. It's not two options, but we, over the course of the day, it seems to me what we're doing is imitating the way life is. The morning we come together, it's new birth, it's new, it's fresh. We're born into the world. And we are united we're reminded of our union with Christ. And then we live through the day. And at night, as the, you know, it's been the ancient tradition that evening worship 
is, whether in home or in the, in the worship service, is, is a time to prepare for the end of life. But we do so joyfully. We come to the end of life knowing we are held in God's hands and it's sweet and it's quiet and it's, 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 there's a, a certain hush that falls over it like the coming of the evening. And, and it's, a, it's a way for us to, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a liturgy that is to replace all the false liturgies of the world. So we push reset every Lord's Day and say, I was born to live glorifying God and enjoying Him, and I have a destination. I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to be at peace forever. Mm. And we have to have that, we have to be rewired every week, don't we? There's, I think, five principles that Samuel and Calvin and I look at, and George and the rest of the pastors look at, to help shape our services. Uh, the first one is that our worship from start to finish would be gospel-storied. If we're gonna astonish people with the gospel, we wanna tell the story of the gospel, and not just in our sermons, which we of course do that, but from start to finish in everything that we do um, to tell the story of the gospel. So beginning our service, we have the call to worship. Now, what are we doing with the call to worship? We're reminding ourselves and the folks in our congregation that we were created brought into existence to know and worship the Lord. That's the reason that we have breath in our lungs to praise God. That's the reason we were redeemed and saved to worship the Lord. So at the very start, we're reminding ourselves of our chief end, our purpose. Um, then we do that. We, we sing through hymns of praise. Uh, we have a prayer of invocation where we're uh, confessing our utter dependence on God simply to worship him, that he would meet with us and enable us to, to praise him in the way that we desire uh, we have a responsive reading. Usually that reading is, is uh, a passage in the Bible that's oriented around praising God. So I'll read that together. Um, but then we'll move into a season of confession too, right? Where uh, we're corporately and privately confessing that we have failed being God's choristers, right? Which is really the, the, the main offense of all of our sin, that we have failed in worshiping the Lord because we've worshiped other things ourselves or other people. So we're confessing that we've failed to be God's worshipers, but then, but then the pastor um, in the lectern over here uh, pronounces the gospel, usually a verse or two summarizing the great news of the gospel, that we're saved not because of our work or our worship, but because of the work of Christ. And when we hear that, we again respond in thanksgiving through tithes, offerings, worship, um, then we move into the reading and preaching of God's Word. Now, if we weren't Christians, that might be burdensome to us. It might be um, something that we would dread, feel some sort of spirit of condemnation. But as those in Christ where there is no condemnation, um, God's law, His Word, it's honey to our lips because we want to live in a way of response, right, to His grace. Um, then we receive the benediction at the end of the service where we're sent out into the world with God's blessing to make disciples of all nations. Now, what do you see there from call to worship to benediction is the story of the gospel. When, when organizing a worship service, picking liturgical pieces, hymns, music, um, and beyond that too, we wanna be sure that we engage the whole person, both mind, heart, and body, right? Um, as Presbyterians, we're really great at engaging the mind, the cognitive 
brain of a human being. We're very theological, and that's good. We also want to engage the heart, too. We're emotional people, and how does the gospel affect our emotions and certainly our bodies? Worship is somatic and cognitive. Um, and so George has really uh, helped us in learning that and uh, implementing that in our services. We raise our hands during the prayers of invocation, right, to remind us that we are completely dependent upon the Lord as his kids, and he is good to meet with us. But it's, we're, we're posturing our body to remind us to, to believe that way. Some of us, not in corporate worship, but maybe one day, we, we kneel during prayers of confession to remind us that we go before the Lord humbly, but he's also good to meet with us. Essentially, we bend our bodies to do what it's not natural. We're not natural for our bodies to lead our souls to what is true. And so we want to engage those things. We wouldn't want to give people the impression that uh, morning and evening services are exactly the same and that they are, that they are so-called traditional. Uh, we, we view worship as occurring over the course of the day, and we're trying to represent a number of styles, right? Speak to us about, uh, Samuel, speak to us about the, the diversity of styles that occur over the course of the Lord's Day. Yeah, I, I think uh, in a church like Second, we have a very broad congregation we're blessed with of being both multi-generational and, and praying and becoming more and more um, multi-ethnic. Uh, so within that, uh, there are a lot of different worship languages, and uh, we do believe in doing everything with excellence, but excellence doesn't mean a specifically a style, it just means finding the best of every style and doing it with great care and doing it uh, with uh, the best that we can with our resources. So we ha uh, this is a 170-year-old church, and as I've gotten to know its history, it's had many different changes. It, if you go way back in its history, it didn't even have a choir, for example. Down and, and so throughout its history, it has changed with the times. And, um, and so we're in a time right now where uh, the pendulum is swinging uh, back from, from some of the most uh, contemporary styles to some really wonderful new music that's being written uh, with some really deep texts. And so our goal is to find the best um, music of each style. Paul says in Romans 15 that Jesus came not for himself. Mm -hmm. And so everything in the church is service. Uh, and we call Sunday, the, the events on Sunday, the service of worship. Mm. And so we're, we're we make these changes and these adaptations and, and use different instrumentation, different styles, because we're serving our people. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so you speak to that, Calvin, about uh, you've got, you have a, a tremendous diversity of training mm -hmm. and of background. Mm -hmm. um, and you have introduced um, a broad spectrum of texts and styles here. Tell, tell us what goes into that as you, and to be clear too, our, our goal in, in, this, in striving for this kind of diversity is first of all gospel-centered where we're serving one another like Jesus. We're not absolutizing our style, but we're serving one another 
with a, and we're, we're striving for the complexion of heaven too, not just diversity of styles, but actually objectively demonstrating in the makeup of our congregation what heaven's going to be like, that Revelation 7, 9 picture. And um, so that's very much on your heart yeah. as well. So tell us how you're, how you're well, accomplishing that. I think the greatest challenge, uh, as I said, I've only been here a year. I think the greatest challenge is introducing stylistic um, church music um, that is diverse authentically. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the greatest challenge. And because you, there are a lot of members here that are um, traditional and um, may be a little fear, fearful of a more diverse type of music. So the challenge is to, um, is I think in the, away, in the way that you arrange or choose arrangements or decide to arrange the music yourself to accommodate the languages of everybody. Give us some insight into conversations that you've had and how you would, um, how you speak to people who come in saying, I'm not comfortable with that or I don't like that. Because you've had, you've had some African-Americans say, right. I don't like this or that. You've had Caucasians say, I don't like this or that. Tell us without, just tell us how you, how you steer them to Jesus and the greater gospel ethos that we should have in the church. Right. Um, I think the number one thing, yes, a lot of uh, uh, people who, when I came here, uh, there were a lot of minorities who immediately approached me as, as if I was the savior of music here um, because <laughs> for so long, you know, um, the music had been primarily traditional and they, they yearned for uh, the language, the worship language that they Well, the traditional white right. Western European. Correct, yeah. yeah. Yes. And so they yearned for uh, music that they could relate to. And so here's this black man coming in as the music director and they thought it, it you know, it was a, a comfort zone, which I'm glad they thought to do that, to say this is, I'd love for us to do this, and I'd love to see more of this, and we don't do enough of this. Um, and then I would walk down the hall into the choir rehearsal and try to introduce things that are new that, that you know, I'd feel a little skepticism, but there were a lot of people in the choir that want the same thing, but there are some that were resistant. So having to deal with, um, with the extremes of both ends kind of um, ha- has been a challenge. But I, th- I think the number one thing that I even had to learn for myself being here, um, that when you, when you get it from both ends like that, you see a lot, um, I feel a lot of, of angst to, to try to, there's a magic formula, what can I do? This, what, what can we put in? And then at some point, after maybe two or three months of working here, it became exhausting of thinking of, how many songs can we do for this? Or how many songs? And, and realizing that if, as long as Jesus is in the center of every worship mm. song that we do, and that has been, I think, the number one rebuttal mm. to people, I guess. It's like, what, what is it that Jesus wants from us? Does he want us to sit down on the pew next to our brothers and sisters who 
yearn for worship language that relates to them and never do something mm. just because it's not what we do. You know, if, as long as we put Jesus in the center of it, I think um, that is the number one thing that gets people to stop mm. being so concerned about their personal preferences instead of the preferences of everyone in their, in their, um, in their church. Reflect on uh, that Revelation 7, 9 picture, Denny, and, yeah. and, and tell us some of your story of coming into a church that's very different from your background and, and uh, theologically as well as in practice and just what it's been like to, to, to get your bearings here and what you see that you, that's hopeful for you. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that our worship services are about the worship of God. And I love the way you started our class, uh, first off, by saying that worship means a death to self. And I, and I think when I first came here to Second, my mentality was one of what's familiar for me, what's comfortable for me, um, almost looking down my nose at the people here in worship, that this, was, that this style of worship was wrong. Uh, and that I had it all figured out as a brand new baby Christian. Um, and so that's, that's probably one of the big things that I felt like the Lord was pressing into me that I think he's even doing here is helping us have that servant mentality of, man, how do other people want to worship the Lord and what, what cultures and styles and, and differences can we learn from the different ways we can worship God, which I really took from our class as well was um, understanding how different cultures worship and why they worship the way they do. That was a uh, big for me. When I was uh, younger, my mom uh, brought me uh, to a Korean church, traditional Korean church, um, and I don't speak Korean. Uh, so I saw church. Uh, I didn't understand anything going on, but I, I saw I saw the uh, uh, just real emotional uh, a responsive uh, type of worship to God. And my mom would actually have these uh, prayer meetings in our homes. And I remember as a little kid walking into the living room, peeking out as I heard the cries and the wailing and just the offering them themselves up fully to God. And, and so coming into these doors, I realized there's a different way of worship, which is more of a, uh, which felt at that time more of a taking in and more of a, a mental, um, worshiping of the Lord uh, in that way. And, and, and it was just challenging, I think, to have to uh, figure out a different style. Um, I feel like what I've been blessed the most by being here is what you said earlier and what Barton hit on of that, that entering into the liturgy week after week, that regardless of the different styles and songs, whether I can understand them or not, the narrative that's taking place for myself, for my wife, for my children, is the gospel narrative. And that's what I need more than anything, more than uh, understanding the lyrics or if the, the DJ played my song or not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's I need this time of adoring God, confessing my sin, a time of thanksgiving, a time of asking, a time of hearing the scriptures, um, regardless of, of if I can connect emotionally or personally, regardless of if it's a cultural norm for me or not. So. I do feel like the Lord has stretched um, my appreciation for worship. Uh, it was a very uh, self-familiar uh, type of worship that I think I've learned so much about the nature of God and who He is by worshiping around people who are different culturally and, and stylistically. So. What, do you, what do you dream of in this, in this? In this 
in this church? I would hope that our church, um, I think the Lord is bringing it sooner than later, would be a reflection, um, like you said, of heaven in, in, in many senses, and even a reflection of the city of Memphis. I, I think if we look at where our church is positioned right here in the, in the center of the city of Memphis, we have people who come from all over. Um, and uh, I would just love uh, to be able to look neck, you know, down the road from me, and I think we're moving in this direction, but to be able to see people who represent all different cultures within the city of Memphis, to be able to look on stage, to look at the choir and, and look at a reflection of the city and, and what God's doing. And I hope that people would even begin flocking to the city of Memphis to be a part of what God's doing here at Second, because I think that's the, the story that he's telling is the greatness of who he is and, and, and his commitment to the local church, his commitment here to Second, and his commitment to us personally, that we would become the type of people who, who do worship him in that way. Thank you for listening. For more information about Second, including location and service times, please visit 2pc.org.